Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mindful Talk. Today, Misty and I are talking about kind of a broad category that we could probably explore over many episodes, but that category, that topic is mindful leadership. So we're so glad you're here and we're happy to be with you today. Hi, Lauren. I'm so glad to be here today. You know, Leaders are important. I think all of us over the last couple of years know how important leadership is um, and how leadership trickles down and creates entire waves of people. And um, being a good leader and being mindful of your leadership style and what you're doing can be very impactful. It can. And I think it's important to, to note that this topic of mindful leadership it could be at work, right? You could be a leader at work. You might be a leader in your church. You might be a leader in your family at home. You might be a leader in school. So this mindful leadership conversation is anywhere where there's a dynamic that you might be quote in charge for lack of a better word. Yeah. And like she said, I mean, that can span so many different areas. Um, but whatever position you're in, being mindful of the position that you're in is very, very important. I've I've been really, really lucky. I've had some amazing leaders in my life and that have really, really shaped me. Some, I don't even know if they know how much like their overall leadership did shape me. So make sure you tell somebody if they're impactful to you. Um, But it's, it can be really like I said, it can be really impactful for people and you don't even know it. What do you think are some of the qualities of those people who, whether they knew it or not, were really impactful for you? Well, the one person I'm thinking of in particular, um, she is a very humble person and very um, warm and she just does a really good job of connecting with people, but it's mostly because, and it took me later on to really dig down to what it was specifically about her leadership that was so good. She made me feel like I was the only person in the world, (laughs) like in a relationship. And I know that sounds crazy, but when I would talk to her, phone down, eye contact, whatever I had to say was important. And we would address it right then. And then we move on to the next thing. And I felt very heard. And even if what I needed to be heard wasn't that important, almost like kids, you know, like how your kids come and bug you and they just want you to like give them attention. Um, So I think overall, that was really, really important for me. I don't think I'd ever been in a position a work position, a professional position where somebody had been that just on a good level with me. Like, of course I knew she was my boss, but there was some level of 
she would get in there and do everything just like I did. And there was a level of respect because I knew that she just wanted me to succeed. And I felt that wholeheartedly. I didn't believe it was necessarily about her, but my success was her success. And I knew that and she knew that, but she was such a great leader that we all just really respected and followed her lead. And we used to joke about it because they would say like we were minions. And I'm like, they don't know about the Kool-Aid we drink. They don't know how awesome she is and like how many things she teaches us and ways to be and like how she is when she's around people. She's very mindful of her surroundings and what she says, you know, and I I grew up with a meemaw who says whatever comes out your mouth. And so I've had to like always backtrack that in my life. And she showed me that you can be pleasant and fun and engaging in a conversation, but you don't have to like give all the information, you know? So just a really mindful human in general, but the way she led was through a seamless, cohesive, we're all in this together type scenario. That's so beautiful. It makes me think of Thich Nhat Hanh, who, even if you don't know who he is, you've probably heard one of his quotes. He's a very famous um, Zen Buddhist teacher, like 95. Um, He says that the highest form of love is just total presence with somebody. And it's so true. That's what you were feeling from her. And I think sometimes that word love in the workplace gets a bad rap, but why? I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't, because that's how people thrive in anything they do is by being supported, loved, seen, heard. That's how somebody becomes their best. And so I think it's, it's interesting. She is probably like that naturally and has learned along the way from some other awesome mentor and was probably supported in that same way, but that's really powerful. And you're right. It's like, who doesn't need that from two years old or, you know, one day old all the way to 105 years old, who doesn't need that kind of support? Yeah. It's really awesome. And she's continually, you know, been a, such a huge like asset in my life. Um, but I, there's many other people along the way who have led me in different ways. Um, sometimes through um, showing me how to do it. And then there are other people who have kind of walked along beside me, you know, Um, and both have been well received in that situation, but it's just that person. And so I think a lot of your leadership style is obviously you, but whoever you are, You still need to be mindful that there's other people involved in the situation and not everybody's like you, you know, and I tell my kids that all the time. That's the conversation we have. You're you. Do you be you? Yay. We've got that down. Everybody else is also going to be them, you know, and you got to figure out how to meet in the middle and move things forward. Do you know, it's, it's really like if you can get on the same page and, be a mindful person with another mindful person, you're going to move a ton of stuff forward. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's like that be you that you tell your kids it's know your strengths as a leader and really play up to those strengths. Um, But also know where you need work as a leader. 
And this only comes through self-awareness, which is a direct output of mindfulness practice. Um, without emotional intelligence and, and really seeing clearly where you're really good at things, where you could use some work, there's no room to grow. And so I think a personal practice is so vital because if you're not aware of how you're feeling, you're definitely not aware of how you're showing up. You're not aware of the impact that is landing on people around you. Um, and I think any leader has almost a responsibility to whoever it is that they're leading to continue to discover and self-study and learn, grow. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you guys know, I've told y'all before, Lauren is my yoga teacher. She's my mentor and taught me everything I know and continue to know, which by the way, I took a class from her this weekend and I'm so sore. So I'm standing here actually being really sore. Um, but I continue to learn from her and in the way that she shows up for herself, her family, her friends, her colleagues um, is obviously very, very mindful, but it bleeds off to me. And I get it because people know her and I, and my husband will say, that's so Lauren. <laughs> and it's a good thing because just like you said, it's just like almost passed down kind of thing. Like that is a very Lauren thing to do because Lauren did the better thing than Misty would have done in this situation. Do you know what I mean? And so it shows up like we've talked about before in different ways. <laughs> it makes me think of, I wish I could remember. It was one of my teachers that said this and I can't remember who I can never, I can't remember much. I swear it's yeah, either <laughs> another conversation. Yeah. Um, but the, the phrase was let your being speak to the benefits of the practice, or you could say, let your being who you are, how you show up, speak to the benefits of whatever the work is that you're doing, the personal development work. Because when you let who you are speak to that, you don't need to preach. You don't need to convince. You don't need to strong arm somebody into doing something. You have taken such good care of your side of the street and you're showing up as grounded as you can, as clear as you can, and as present as you can. And in that place, like, there's not much that can't not get done when you're in that state. Yeah. You just being an example, we've talked about this before too. If you want to change things in your house, being an example is the quickest way. And you can't get people to sit and meditate if they don't want to, that has to be like their thing. And so like, you know, I've known forever that my husband needed to meditate, but I wasn't going to tell him that, but guess who does it all the time in his car now? Because he saw like me being able in situations to not react the way I used to react or, you know, approach a situation differently or not get mad at traffic, just little things like that. And he's like, oh, okay, so I'm going to do that. And now he does. And it wasn't like a big thing. He didn't have to get a gym membership, you know, or anything like that. He just turned on insight timer in his car and then saw results and kept doing it. And it's like his daily thing when he does it. And so it doesn't have to be a big ordeal. You can do that simple thing, but someone else may see it. And being that leader is going to trickle down. It's crazy how the trickle down happens with meditation and mindfulness. It really is. <laughs> it is really powerful. And I, we've talked about this maybe in the beginning of this podcast life, like last year. So I'll mention it again, but 
the reason it's so important to to take care of your side of the street and especially in in the seat of leadership is the limbic part of our brain is the part of the brain that we it's one of the parts that we come into relationship with other people through on an unconscious level subconscious and so emotions are literally contagious through this thing called limbic resonance meaning if i'm the leader in the room and i am having an awful day or I'm just not a good leader and I'm always having an awful day and I can't get my stress under control. I'm short with people. I'm distracted. Guess how my team is going to be. They're not going to be at their best because the people that we spend the most time around, we start to pick up their emotions and their emotions become our state of mind. And so, and say you're a, you're a worker or an employee or in a group and you have a leader you know how it feels to be around a leader who has either power issues, who you can just feel isn't grounded. It starts to affect you. And so it's that meme that goes around, you're a result of the top five people you spend the most time with is actually really real. And so if you're in leadership of some kind and you're feeling like you don't have control of your group and things are just like disjointed and they feel not efficient, not effective, pick up the mirror and look at, look at yourself. And that includes in parenting too. Oh man. So good. And you know how I said, they called us the minions. Guess who the best team in the company was the minions because she was a mindful leader and we started replicating what she did. And we're like, Oh, this works. Okay. And we did. We were always very well respected across the company. And um, I always felt like I was getting like special treatment because I got this great leader. That's how great she was. And just to tell you, but everybody in the company knew it too. And we were well respected because of it. So, I mean, you all know, because you probably work with or have been around with they're an awesome leader where you're like, wow, you know, like I'd love to spend some time with that person. I would tell you, if you have a person like that, try to get some time with them, like wherever they are, because I have asked those hard questions like that. And they've said, sure, Misty, I'll come ride with you for the day. And I'm like, all right. And I, my coworkers would always say, be careful what you ask for, because oftentimes leaders like to lead and they like to mentor and they like to help. And so ask if you need help, you know? Definitely. I think that's such good advice to, to not be afraid to ask. I mean, the worst they can say is no, but I bet you they won't. If it's, if it's that kind of leader and that kind of person, they want people to come to them. Well, and and don't you want to be that kind of leader that people want to come to? Because even if, even if it's a no, like, Maybe it's not a no, but let's talk through this and see how we can come to a middle ground, you know, or where we're both happy. Um, I think that that's doable in most situations and it opens up conversation. I just always would want to be a type of leader who you can come to me, you know, with anything. We're going to get through it together, whatever it is. Don't be afraid because also at work, you're still people, you still have a private life and shenanigans going on at home. So if you don't have that rapport with the leader, it can be difficult. It's a lot of extra stress on you sometimes too. 
It really is. And I think it speaks to, and this could probably be a whole nother episode, but from the seat of the leader to really be aware of the dynamics of power. You know, we, we know this, this is not a surprise or a secret, and we've seen it so much um, in the last couple of years, but power is intoxicating. And people will follow even, even people using their power negatively. There's something very seductive about it. And I'm sure there's some neurochemical thing happening in the brain. I would love to know. I've, I've actually read a lot about this topic in the last couple of years and why, why we follow people who we know are doing harm, you know, but as a leader, you can go a long time causing harm with your power. And in fact, you start to get kind of reinforced almost, you know, like you see it working, even though, you know, it's kind of slimy. And so I always go back to like, what's going to help me sleep at night? Can I sleep at night acting this way? You know, at the end of my life, am I going to feel good about how I, how I led like those kind of hard questions. And a lot of times the answer could be, no, this is kind of gross. Like this way that I'm wielding my power is not cool. And is this who I want to be? And if the answer is yes, fine. Like at least be really honest about that. But, um, you know, power, power is a privilege. And I think that we can use it for such good and be effective. I think being compassionate in power is so much stronger, takes so much more courage, takes so much more strength than being a jerk in power. That's the weak way, in my opinion. I agree. You know, y'all all all know my husband is a Marine and power is (laughs) um, a big deal. And the reason that mental health has been, in my opinion, so difficult to manage in the military is because of power. And they are, you know, shipped off to boot camp and they have leaders who yell in their face and scream in their face. So if that's your leader, (laughs) what do you think you're going to be like? And so it's not that they get toned down or anything like that. I mean, they are trained to do what they're supposed to do. However, they're starting to realize that mindfulness and being aware of how you're feeling is really, really important for these people. And they're finally doing something about it. And the power is difficult because there are a lot of people in power and in leadership positions right now that are really, really struggling and they're getting help and they're old school. And so they feel like it's frowned upon, but then like new school, like the 18, 19 year olds are like, yeah, yeah, get help, you know, do your thing. So they're very much at this weird, they're meeting and it's, it'll, they'll get there, but it's the power that keeps them from just going over to the other side. It's really interesting. That is so interesting. It sounds like a major sea change is happening. I mean, and not just there. I mean, with police, it's happening in schools. It's happening in even the meditation community of the old school way of like, you just sit through these feelings, even if you're freaking out inside and having a traumatic response, you sit, you sit, you sit. And now it's like, no, 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 you don't sit through that. There's other ways of dealing. So we're the big turning point, aren't we? In so many ways. I, it's really interesting. It, I know a lot of it was probably like 
propelled because of the pandemic, which is one of those beauties of COVID that we talk about. You know, there are some things that came out. And to me, I feel like, you know, I know for a lot of us, it's not the fast change that we want, like racism. You know, I would wish we could end that overnight. But I feel like all of our initiatives have been have sped up and we're starting to be faced with the old school versus the new school. And they're finally butting heads and new school are loud (laughs) and they got YouTube and social medias. And so, you know, they're a loud voice. And it's um, I think it's finally starting to help some of those older school individuals understand why they're doing what they're doing for their cause. But yeah, it's a it's a I think we'll read about this time in history books for sure. Definitely. Definitely. It makes me, it makes me happy for what our kids, what kind of world they'll be living in if we can get the environment under control. Um, that's another topic, but it makes me happy for like the level of mental health, um, lessening the stigma and just having more resources as they get older, you know? And imagine what kind of leaders will come from this. Right. Like, you know, I mean, geez, think about all like, I mean, I'm talking big, like president level. Think about if they all knew how to practice mindfulness, you know, like think about if they all got in a meeting and they did a five minute meditation before they met, you know, that's not happening right now. Fast forward. What if my daughter's pregnant or pregnant? What if my daughter, no, what if my daughter is president? If my daughter's president, I can promise you she's going to lead a meditation before the whole thing starts. And so it's like, wow. Like I'm excited for that. Really excited for that. That that's like leadership 2.0 in my opinion. Totally. You know, there's a, we, in our yoga studio, we had an investor and they're a conscious capitalism investor, which is a whole arm of business. You can Google conscious capitalism. Um, Starbucks is a conscious company container store. Um, And they start, and this is in Fort Worth, Texas, where we're a little bit behind here, you know, to be honest. Um, They start every single meeting with a seven minute meditation. It does not matter what the topic is or how urgent it is. They gather in their conference room and they all sit for seven minutes in silent meditation before every meeting. And I swear it must elevate the conversation to get everybody grounded first instead of just zooming into the meeting, just getting off a call, just finishing an email, they come in and they sit and they clear out, you know, like metaphorically clear it out. Um, and then they proceed. Oh, I want to go to work there. That's amazing. Do you know why seven minutes? I'm just curious. Yes. I asked and they said five minutes didn't feel long enough and 10 minutes felt too long. (laughs) Got it. See, and that's, you find what works for you. And if you're a leader and you're struggling with getting your meditation and pra- meditation practice in check, just do what works for you. It doesn't have to be what you see on Instagram or TV or whatever. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times my meditation occurs in the car. Yeah, definitely. And, and one thing I want to say and maybe close with is that what I love about this company that does it at work, they're treating it as part of work as the environment and the culture. I really think, and I, I changed my tune on this several years ago, um, that practice and study, I do a lot of studying for, for my line of work, probably more than most lines of work, but 
practicing and study are not extra. They're not outside the workday. They're part of the workday because I can't do what I do unless I'm practicing and unless I'm studying. And so treating it with that level of respect, like the meditation is an, oh, let's get everybody to work early and do five or 10 minutes of meditation. No, it's let's build this into the workday as just as important as the staff meeting, just as important as the end of day meeting, you know? So really changing, like having a sea change with that, that it's not just extra nice to do something that we can check a box for employee wellness, but like actually building it into every meeting to get people grounded and clear. So if you, somebody came up to you, they had a business, they have 20 employees, they really want to start incorporating mindfulness in their workplace. What's the first thing you would tell them to do or one thing you would tell them to do? I would probably, if they were open to it, they have to be kind of progressive, you know, which if they're asking that question, I guess they are. Yeah. I would say start every meeting with a three minute silent meditation. You could call, they could call it a moment of silence if they don't want to use the word meditation in the workplace, you know, a three minute moment of silence before every meeting, set a timer, have a timer in every conference room that they can just turn on quickly. Um, I think that would go a long way. I would love if more people did that. I think that the decluttering part is so key, what you said about like, because people are racing from one place to another and you need a second to like, you know, calm down. When my kids get home from school, it's the same thing. I let them disperse and kind of be quiet and declutter their mind and sit for a second before we do anything else. So if you have employees, this would be, I would love it if a And I bet there's people on your team that you're leading that would love it too. Totally. Because so many people, we both know this, so many people want to start a practice, but when you work full time and if you have a family, I mean, there's very little extra time in your life right now. And so I think it would be such a beautiful offering to employees to, to carve out time and space during the workday to allow them to do this. I mean, it could be a complete game changer in any company. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Um, You're a great leader. And I'm very, very lucky to learn from a good leader. And I would encourage all of you listening to, if you're a leader, you're just tasked with holding yourself higher. That's just the way it is. And the way to get there is through mindfulness. So if you're listening, you're probably on the right path. (laughs) Thanks guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.